Ladies and gentlemen, this picture contains scenes which under no circumstance should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. Welcome back to Caustic Content, the official Optimism Vaccine podcast for torturing people that you love. <laughs> I'm here, as always, with Adam Myros, and I'm Steve Cuff. Myros, how you doing tonight? Uh, I was doing better before I, I saw this slate of films. <laughs> that's, that's a fair response. I'm doing all right, too. I'm sweating my balls off, so that's, that's fucking great. Yeah, not great weather. Not great. No, no. It's uh, pretty miserable, especially when you don't have air conditioning. But whatever. I'm going to melt. It's fine. It's no big deal. We live in the Midwest. There's no such thing as air conditioning. No. It doesn't doesn't work that way. No. Yeah. uh, I think, think, Steve, we need to go over the rules, uh, refresh some folks, and talk about potentially adding uh, one more rule. But I don't even know if you described the podcast yet. That's true. So... I said this is a this is a podcast where you know you, you hurt people, you torture people, but not in the traditional sense. This isn't waterboarding per se, although I, I personally think some of the things that we've watched and will watch should be banned by the Geneva Convention. But basically, the purpose of this podcast is: Myros and I have been good friends for a very, very long time. We lived together for a long time, and one of our favorite pastimes has been watching bad movies, but. We don't want to do just a regular bad movie podcast because Lord knows those are a dime a dozen. So, you know, we're not going to sit here and, and talk to you about Birdemic for 90 minutes. We're, we're not doing that. Not going not gonna to happen. What we decided to do was we've hopped on the various streaming services out there, you know, Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, and we have combed the depths of these services to find possibly the worst of the absolute worst films. Films that are so bad that they, they sort of redefine what a movie even is. And each week, we are going to attempt to mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually break down the other person on the podcast and try to find the absolute worst movie. And that's that's pretty much the long and short of it. We've got a couple of ground rules that we've set. These are all Myros rules, by the way. I'm I'm more into cinematic anarchy, but but Myros is you know, he's he's got to have his rules. That's Mister Mister Stodgy over here. Hey, we got we got to set uh, some standards here, lest we just be watching the same uh, output week after week. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. So after week one, Myros decreed that he doesn't want to watch any more Godfrey Ho, which is fair. Because uh, Godfrey Ho is a is a, he's a master of cinema. He he belongs alongside the greats and and not on this podcast. Uh, we also decided this is this is a Myros rule, but we we can't intentionally choose a found footage movie. And I should be clear about how we're choosing these movies as well. We're choosing them based entirely on their artwork on whatever streaming service we find them on, the description of the movie. And if there's an available trailer on the streaming service, then we can watch it. If there's not, we can't. This is true. That's how we're picking these things. Uh, So Myros has said no intentional found footage, which is an arbitrary rule because he's a giant baby and doesn't want to watch any more found footage movies. 
Uh, I I don't know about that. I I think you should be thanking me because I would be picking very heavily out of that genre. But <laughs> um, it is a, a personal favorite. I I I picked it. I I've, I've decided to exclude found footage for one reason, and that is redundancy. All of these things tend to blend together. Like I have seen. Probably in the hundreds of found footage films, and virtually none of them could I like distinguish. Like I, 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 I distinctly remember perhaps the worst one we ever sat through, which had its name was some sort of address, and the entirety of its content was just like yeah. still security cameras. It was like a split screen type thing, and it was just a fucking menace to society. But the, yeah. But again, what was what was the plot synopsis of such a film? It was like a haunted house. Ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> People buy a house. It's haunted. Ghost hunters set up cameras. Uh, and again, how many of these can we sit through? There's, there's a there's a million of them. What the hell was the name of that? Is one two one two Boogie Woogie Avenue the movie? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. I I was trying to think of it myself the other day and i'm like i i have no fucking idea <laughs> nope couldn't couldn't pick it out and i was it a was it a riff on 1408 which was a john cusack or movie was it like 1409 spooky street like it was something like that but i don't think it was even close to that though but yeah it essentially but i don't think it was like close enough to 1408 where you'd go i see what you're doing here it was just four numbers <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's about right. Oh God! All right, so no found footage. What is this new rule that you're proposing? Um, I'm. I did not propose this rule. This rule was proposed uh, by some feedback we received, and I. I do not in, intend to instill it full force. I just think it's it's best used as a soft guideline, and that would okay. be sort of an extension of the Godfrey Ho rule that we endeavor to. Stay away from uh, using the same directors multiple times. Okay, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, as much as I'd like to show you a Godfrey Ho movie every single week, what do you think that would do to you? Uh, I I don't think this project could continue. <laughs> that, that would be the one that finally breaks you. Well, he we could we could literally do 150 episodes of Godfrey Ho films, so. Let's not. <laughs> we could. We could. We definitely could. Can you imagine sitting through 150 Godfrey Ho films? Yeah. Welcome to our new podcast, The Godfrey Ho Down. <laughs> I like the sound of that. See, right so, when we were trying to think of names, where was this then? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, if, if you'd like this to just be The Godfrey Ho Down, um, tweet us at Optimism Vaccine on Twitter. Email us, optimismvaccine at gmail.com. We'd be happy to accommodate you. Since Myra seems to be so keen to adopt, you know, fan fan rules here. Uh, we're always trying to better our product, uh, such as adding the rating system as, as it exists that we added last episode, which is we sure. will distinguish whether something qualifies as a curiosity or uh, as with 90% of the things we'll be viewing is just a straight up atrocity. And atrocity. Yeah, we did uncover a curiosity last episode, and we might have won the night as well. You never know. All right, Myros. Well, let's let's jump right into it. I think last time we started with with your movie, so I, well, you know, let's let's rotate it. Let's let's start with my choice for this week, if you don't mind. 
Now, I, I want to talk a little bit about why I chose this movie. As we discussed before, this is a podcast about, about hurting each other, really, when it comes down to it. So I try to think of things that Adam Myros doesn't like, and especially when it comes to movies. First thing that came to mind is I know lately Myros has gotten burned out on superhero movies, even though he loves you know superhero comics and stuff. So that, that was the first thing that came into my head. After that, I know Myros hates parody movies. So that was important. Well, I and do it, love the Naked Gun. But. I mean, but you know, <laughs> largely, largely, you hate parody movies. Well, largely, they're fucking awful. Say, <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> and the third thing that Adam Myros hates is gratuitous, overused, bad CGI. So I was delighted when I stumbled upon a movie that was streaming on Amazon called The Amazing Bulk. <laughs> you see, Steve Cuff is still not digging deep enough because this is, is once again a movie that was probably featured by uh, a YouTube celebrities, uh, this time by Milwaukee's own uh, Red Letter Media. Listen, man, I'm not a fucking nerd like you. I don't sit around watching PewDiePie all day. I don't know what the kids are hip to. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I, I can't recall the episode in great detail. I don't think they were especially reactive toward this film, which is, uh, it's kind of confusing to me having seen it. I mean, I, I expected something different than what we got. I'll say that. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. This is kind of a weird one and it it wasn't what I expected either, but Myros, what is the amazing bulk? Uh, are you aware of the Marvel property, The Incredible Hulk? I've, I've heard of it. Is he one of those Avenger boys? Ah, uh, you may have seen him in such films as Infinity Wars. But no, um, I'm waiting for the sequel to this. Where, But he already looks kind of like Thanos, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he, it's kind of hard. Yeah, he doesn't... So the Amazing Bulk, as, as opposed to the Incredible Hulk, he looks more... Like the abomination and Thanos kind of smashed together. If you're going to go comic book nerd on this one, yeah, except worse. I mean, more like a California raisin in there too. But yeah, very, <laughs> yeah. he's very purple, and he has like a distended belly for some reason. And oh uh, man, and he's got he's got the best ass I've ever seen. He's got those Nicki Minaj cans going. He is probably the only original asset in this film. <laughs> Which explains why he looks so fucking terrible. First of all, how erect were you the first time you saw the Amazing Bulk on screen? And how badly did you want to razzmatazz between his fucking butt cheeks? Well, I just want to blow those big raspberries right between them. Well, it's only fitting that he looks kind of like a priapism. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, (laughs) this is... This is a great... It's barely a parody, because honestly, this is just the origin story of The Incredible Hulk, is it not? Uh, Yeah, you just replace uh, gamma radiation with something, like a a, a plant-growing formula. (laughs) Yeah, purple syrup. Yeah, I'm not sure what the hell experiments they're attempting to do. That's not clear, but Mm -hmm. uh, they seem to be trying to regrow a plant. And then when he succeeds in regrowing a plant, 
he decrees that it is not sufficient and then just injects himself with it, which, you know, the Hulk was created by an accident. This guy is just sort of malicious harm yeah, to yeah. himself. He just does it to himself like a big fucking dummy. And so that that's what he does. And I think it's because he's a little stressed out because uh, he's been working on this for years and he's afraid his funding is going to run out and all this. So our, our scientist, Mr. Hank Howard decides that the only solution is, well, now that I've accomplished what I set out to accomplish, I need to inject myself with this purple serum. And he does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he bulks up or something. I- yeah. Now, if you're listening right now, I'm sure you're saying, Steve, aren't these all like super low budget, just really shitty movies? How on earth is this uh, like an Incredible Hulk parody? Because... We know from seeing the the Marvel movies, like these are big time CGI, like big special effects. Like, how do you do a transformation sequence? What's going on? And this movie has a very simple solution to that, which is also terrifying. And what is that solution, Myros? Uh, stock 3D assets <laughs> and a lot of green screen. My God. So this is, I think you mentioned it on the last episode, episode two, there's this guy, uh, Jim Sterling. He used to be like a, a video game critic. He'd worked for, I don't think he worked for any magazines, but he worked for various video game websites. And he kind of switched over to YouTube. But instead of the typical YouTube video game shit, what he does is, is much like Amazon as a streaming service, Steam as a video game service has zero quality control. So basically anything can get on Steam and Jim Sterling has uncovered all these games that literally buy stock assets and then upload those stock assets as games, unchanged, to the Steam storefront. And then you just have this like stock asset bullshit thing that isn't really much of a video game at all. So I think we've discovered the movie equivalent of a Steam Unity asset flip. This is, this is an asset flip. Is it not? What what is going on here? What what are these fucking green screen abominations that we're seeing? Yeah, this this movie has zero sets. There there is there is no set. It is entirely green screen. Uh and yeah, I'd say that all of the assets they they must all be stolen. They they were not if not stolen then free, one of the two. <laughs> um yeah. I can't imagine all the 3D assets are, are freeware, so probably some of them are stolen. But, um, yeah, it, it's just, you know, you'll see a flower. That flower is not going to be a flower, rest assured. Everything is gloop. It just looks like fucking clip art just yeah. plastered across the screen for whatever and, reason. And when we say, like, free stock CGI assets just kind of layered over a green screen... We're not talking, you know, your modern day Marvel stuff. We're not even talking like modern day video game equivalent. This is stuff, and you'll see it if you watch the trailer or if you watch the opening of the movie. It's somewhere between like early 2000s and mid 90s is where I would place this kind of CGI. Is that about right? Boy, I think you're kinder than I am. It feels to me like a lot of the textures could just be from like Wolfenstein or something. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, some of it looks like if if your mom sent you an e card in like 1997, and like this would be the Flash animation that played. Uh, and some of it just looks like kind of a bad PS2 game. 
That's about it. Right. I, I think a lot of it is like, you know, I think that the creators of Beast Wars would be ashamed to have this in in their cartoon, a lot of it. But uh, <laughs> it's almost as if Adam Griswold from Revenge of the Animals did the effects. Uh-huh. It, it is that that campfire. That's the movie. <laughs> <laughs> the campfire from Revenge of the Animals is everything. Is everything in, the in this movie. Amazing bulk. I'm sorry. I'm going to call it the incredible bulk a thousand times. <laughs> 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 oh, God. It's, yeah, it's... It's something that's for fucking sure. But is this what? What is this movie? That's what I want to know. Like, it has these obnoxious fucking like parody movie studio credit card at the beginning, like where it's just like, oh, it's like the Paramount logo, and it'll say like, whoop, it's not a movie studio or something. It's it's like the it's lamest not- cornball horse shit. Yeah. It's not Paramount. It's it's Paramump. <laughs> like that. That's literally what it is. It's something like that. Yeah, yeah like, this- not even a joke. But it's just. But they're clearly like gag credits for some reason. And so you're like, oh god, what the? This is going to be the worst. But then it's not a fucking comedy. There's like a few things that are like cut in. So my theory is that it must be that he, the director decided or the producer distributor decided that it needed to qualify as a parody to avoid the potential legal hiccups. So they just threw in tacked on jokey bullshit. Oh, 100%. And and that also shows through. So not only do you have the fake studio logos... To be like, ha, 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 see, it's silly. But the 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 font that they use for the credits, oh, my God. It's fucking Comic Sans. They use Comic Sans for the credits. Uh, we're going to be seeing a lot of that in this project, I'm sure. <laughs> Anytime I see that in a trailer I watch, it's going on my list. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's a good move. It, it does take some effort, though, to change. Like, the default is like Ariel, and they're like, no, I got to do something sillier. We're going with Comic Sans. Well, it's like a comic book. Yeah, exactly. Just, just like, just like the comic book. That's that's what we're watching. <laughs> oh boy. So um, yeah, I guess you should. Let's get more into the plot here. Uh, again, it is it is to a point. The Incredible Hulk. Um, he, I, I believe, he injects himself self with this stuff. Largely out of frustration with his his boss, he's he's funded by the military, and his boss is General Thunderbolt Ross. Except not, uh, I'm sure he has a very similar name, but <laughs> <laughs> General Darwin. Uh, ha- he- our Bruce Banner is trying to marry this guy's daughter, as as is the case in the Incredible Hulk, uh, and. The general deems him unfit. You know, I suppose survival of the fittest. He's he's not going to get through, says Darwin. Um, but so in his frustration, he he turns to the serum. I don't know what it's supposed to do. It's it's not explained in the film. Uh, and then he becomes the amazing bulk and. 
I think the plot kind of stops there for a long while, and then <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the bulk running through CGI streets uh, and obnoxious gunfire, and uh, now he, he's eventually captured and set loose on some sort of Doctor Strange love caricature. We we got to talk about some of these CGI sets that they have. I mean, it's it's disorienting enough to have people who are just acting on a like in front of a green screen and then having this shit dropped in. But even the scenes themselves are so like cheaply and shoddily thrown together that it's it, it's it's disorienting. It's dizzying. So in the opening scene, there's this woman and she's walking down this this street in this like downtown urban area. And you see these these skyscrapers, but the one prominent building that you constantly see is there's this like movie theater in the background. But because they only have like four still asset shots from this like oh you know free downtown CGI town or whatever, <laughs> but they but they use them in the wrong order when they're showing her walking down the streets. So with each edit, like oh the you know the uh the movie theater's in back of her and then in the next shot it's in front of her and then the next shot it's to the left of her and then it's to the right of her and it's just like what what is what is going on i i can't like, it, i just i literally lost my focus in the first 30 seconds because i couldn't i couldn't figure out what was going on and what this woman was doing <laughs> yeah it certainly has no sense of place i i feel like this movie is I I can't figure it out. I I don't know. I don't know what level of intention there is in this film. Like some of it feels like it had to be done on purpose. Like there's a scene early in the film with uh Henry what's his name? Bruce Banner we'll call him. Uh and uh Thunderbolt Ross, General Darwin, who by the way is like the Worst actor known to man. Absolute worst. <laughs> I, I want to say, say what you will about this movie and about all the other movies you've watched so far. I don't think, and I'm, I'm kind of tipping my hand here, I don't think The Amazing Bulk is the worst thing that we've watched so far by a long shot, but I will say the actor who plays the general in The Amazing Bulk is the absolute worst actor I have ever seen in a movie in my life. <laughs> he's, he's incredible. Bar none. Bar none. It is. It's it's hilarious. It's distracting. It's it's weird. Like you, again, we always use like the room as a reference point or something. This guy, he he would have gotten cut from the room cast. It's just I don't I don't know what he's doing or why he's here. Well, he wouldn't do full frontal. Was Zoe didn't want him. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyway, there. He is. He's visiting his fiance, or well, serious girlfriend. I guess he can't be the fiance because he's rejected by the father because bullshit. Um, he's at their house for dinner, and there's a point at sea where they like go to a wine cellar for whatever reason to have a private conversation. Oh my god! And, <laughs> and again, I I can't tell. There's got to be some level of self-awareness. It's like they're doing, like, 
when a child does like the invisible staircase and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa I'm walking downstairs. It, they're doing that in front of the green screen. They're like shuffling in place and it just looks absurd. <laughs> Because they don't have, like, uh, they can't even have, like, a treadmill in front of the, the blue screen, of course. <laughs> no, 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 they can't do that. And the other thing that's great about this, too, is, you know, we, we talked about how these uh, computer graphic whatever sets that they have that they, they've layered over the green screen are super limited. So the one that they have for the wine cellar, it's it's about, like, a five-second loop of these wine bottles. And... It's about a 30-second conversation, so it's just looping endlessly. And it's again, it's really disorienting. But my favorite part, aside from the bad acting and the weird shuffling and the fact that the background is just looping, is it's clearly supposed to be like, oh, look at this vast wine cellar that they're walking through. And fucking General Grandpa is holding a bottle of fucking Yellowtail Shiraz, which is like $4 grocery store <laughs> wine. So I was just like fucking dying. <laughs> like, why would you put that in there? Yeah, this is like one of three points in the film that really that really just got me. I just I couldn't stop laughing. It, it's again, I I just don't know what they're trying to do. Were they? Is this successful on a level? Is it? I mean, I suppose it is, but I can't tell if it's like. If it's a true Wazo thing, or if it's if it's someone uh, orchestrating something, <laughs> yeah, or maybe it's and it could be a little column A, a little column B. It's it's hard to really tell with this one. It's it's very messy in that way, and you know we going back to the acting too. And this is another thing that totally threw me off. So the general is again the worst actor of all time. Absolutely, sure. no one in the same ballpark as him. Some of the acting in this is totally fine. Like, I, I don't know if good is a word I would use. I don't think anybody's winning an Oscar for this. You know, it's not like Daniel Day-Lewis is popping in to the amazing bulk. But, uh, like, the, the guy who plays Henry Howard, the, the Bruce Banner character, he's a, he's a fine actor. Does, well, does he, a good job. I, uh, he's getting some strange direction. Where he's got, like, this poopy pants scowl on his face the entire yeah, movie. Yeah, sure, sure. But the one who really stood out was the the girlfriend is like an actress who you you wouldn't bat an eye if she was in like a, a normal movie you were watching in the theater. Yeah. She's it's totally fine. It, it, totally I have fine. no idea what she's doing in, in this bulk. Yeah, the, the entire thing is it's utterly bizarre. Doesn't make any sense. I, and I, I just, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, why are why are there functional actors and actresses in this movie? And, and it's and it's so uneven too, because it, it could be the same scene. You'll have like one person, like the like the girlfriend, who's fine, and then uh, the the like henchwoman of of the main villain is just like if you told someone who had never acted in anything before to do the world's worst Harley Quinn impersonation, that's basically what you would get. So you have this like complete trash next to totally functional professional actors and actresses and i i don't understand right yeah i suppose the whole tacked on villain plot is filled with that like the the fake strange love guy dr Werner von kantlove 
Uh, he's fucking awful. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. He's the worst. It's terrible. Uh, and, you know, he's on, he's, all of his scenes are pretty much shared with this, uh, Harley Quinn character, and it's interminable. It's just like, what the fuck is happening? And their scheme involves shooting rockets at random things. Uh, it doesn't have anything to do with the movie. It's just, Kind of there. They're like, oh, let's shoot a rocket at something. I'm yeah. sorry. I, that's not fair. It should be like, oh, let us shoot the rockets at something. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, then insane things happen. But I guess the escalating action here is that they're going to shoot a rocket to blow up the moon, which takes us to the second sequence that, that really uh, melted my brain. Uh, that being when they launch a rocket to blow up the moon and instead it cuts to uh, like satellites fucking in space for like 10 minutes over, uh, royalty free classical music. Yeah, that's, that's, this is what's happening. It's like looped 3d assets so that it shows like two satellites uh, docking in space, and then it loops it backwards so that it's like pistoning in and out as a penis in vagina, <laughs> and and again, I'd say I might be exaggerating with ten minutes, but I'm not if I said five. Yeah, and it feel it certainly feels like an hour, <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's the most juvenile thing I've ever seen in my life, and it, it doesn't. Again, why is it in the film? This is not a rocket. It's not going to the moon. It it's just there. It's just yeah. like okay. Well, we need to pad out some runtime. Let's also add to the humor quotient to avoid the the lawsuit uh, by having satellites fuck in space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's uh yeah yeah. I I don't know this one. It, it really it really threw me for a loop because, again, this is by every objective measurable thing you can throw at it, it's complete trash. But at the same time, there's all these like weirdly compelling moments where you're just like, the fuck am I watching? It's almost like, you know, it, it's it's the whole anti comedy thing. It's just it's like maybe the joke is funny and then they keep doing it and it's not funny and then they keep doing it and then it comes back around on itself and it's funny again and it's just i don't know this this is a complete anomaly i've i've never seen anything like this before this is true and it is it's got to set some sort of world record for most uh, royalty free assets in a given film cuz oh 100% all the music everything everything and so I, I guess moving forward in the plot, uh, the missile is headed to the moon. So General Darwin sends the bulk who he has captured uh, on a mission to stop Dr. Kontlov before the moon is destroyed or something. I mean, the moon missiles already long been launched. I don't know what the bulk's going to do about it, really. But uh I, I, wait, wait, wait! Uh, B- before you before you move forward, really quickly, 
I think you should mention that, yeah, like, they're sending the bulk to Kant Love's castle, which is like a literal, like, fucking medieval castle made out of CGI ass. <laughs> but could you please describe his henchmen for the, the, the listeners out there? Guy, I don't even remember. It's just like a bald guy, isn't it? It's it's a it's a bald guy holding a spear. Oh yeah, yeah. And he had several henchmen, but he shot him with a lightning bolt gun or something. Uh, more CGI assets, uh, and they turned into a literal skeleton. The CGI asset skeleton. Um. So yeah, there's a castle. He storms the castle. Uh, if he succeeds in this mission, General Darwin has promised his daughter's hand in marriage, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't even remember what the hell happens at this point. He succeeds, right? He kills Kotlow. Yeah, yeah. He kills him. And then... Literally stomps on him. And that's a weird thing, too, because... I don't, there's a, there's a perspective issue here with the bulk that is never really resolved or addressed... Where he looks like he's just like a really, really big dude, like kind of like a super size, like Andre the Giant. But then he kills Kant Love by literally like stepping on him and squashing him with a giant foot. So there's no way to tell if he's like 10 feet tall or like 50 feet tall. Well, they had to make that, that particular asset, so they only did the foot and the full body. Uh, so you just got to make do. Yeah. Um, there you go. So after he kills Kotlov in a, it, it, he only storms the castle for like five minutes. There's, there's probably a, the satellite fucking probably takes up more of the film than the the thrust, the dramatic thrust, the the defeat of the <laughs> villain is is less time that is dedicated to uh, balletic uh, satellite fornication. So um, at that point. General Darwin reveals that he is a, a sinister mastermind who was working with Kotlov all along and wanted him out of the way to take over the blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then he just sends the military to kill Bulk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then the military kills Bulk. Uh, right? Yeah. Yeah, they kill Bulk. And then, and then my favorite part of the whole movie happens. Well, <laughs> let, let's describe the military's assault on Bulk first, because that's something. We, of course, get the, the flight of the Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course. Yeah. Well, that must be free. So uh, that's, that's definitely a freebie, for sure. Uh, Coppola is a real fucking cheapskate. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, he literally runs through... A field, a CGI field, mind you. Of yeah, not a real field. Filled with every random asset you could possibly imagine. Just, you know, flowers, squirrels, all sorts of It's like a bizarre, guy golfing. Yeah, every bizarre, like, piece of clip art you could possibly find just, like, pops up in the path of bulk as he flees from a bomber or something. And it's just, it goes on and on and on. With all these like zany hijinks, and it's uh, th- this is not one of the things that I found amazing. I found this to be entirely insufferable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But then it does lead us to the 
perhaps the best scene in the entire. Well, maybe the the seller, but this is a close second for me. Oh yeah, the uh, so <laughs> so bulk is dead, right? So there's <laughs> there's like a, a, a giant CGI amazing bulk <laughs> gravestone. <laughs> That that I guess that uh, Hannah Darwin, the the fiance, goes to visit his grave, and this fucking CGI gravestone is like the greatest creation of all time. It's, I, I mean, I know this is an audio medium, but please, for the love of God, like if you're gonna just turn this movie out and just fast forward to this part. <laughs> Because it is. It's just like... It looks like complete and utter shit from, like, 1992. It's strangely huge. It doesn't make any sense. And then... I, I don't even know what happens. Like, she's like, Oh, I loved you. Blah, blah, blah. And then she turns away, and then... He just bulks out of the grave, I think. Yeah, he fucking bulks out of the grave! Just bulks the shit out of that gravestone. It's, it's pretty <laughs> great. gravestone. It has, like, fucking... Times New Roman, like, it's just the Here best. lies the bulk. It's just the best fucking thing I've ever seen. Um, it's pretty good. <laughs> so, so this is this is a masterpiece. I, I, it's interesting, that's for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't think it, it, this is another one where I, I've accidentally slipped up, but I feel like I've found something that's, like, strangely compelling. But... I, I don't think it's it's not at the level of Love on a Leash where I am in love with it as a movie. It's because it's mostly just really bad and grating, but it's it's interesting and and intermittently funny, whether intentionally funny or unintentionally. Yeah, I think um, again, doing further research for the project here, I I think some of its charm is going to wear off because I, I kind of. Thought this was more of a one of a kind <laughs> creation here, but it, it seems like this sort of uh, goop exists. There's like a subgenre of things that are just this. Oh yeah, like, we've, it's it's a whole world that we weren't even aware of. <laughs> Fools stumbling around in front of a blue screen. Or, <laughs> it's like, uh, it, yeah, who knew? Who knew that was a subgenre? Now here's another weird thing. The director of this movie, Louis Schoenbrunn. Okay, this guy has been working in movies since the 1980s. And like real movies. I mean, a lot of not so real movies. But uh, like he worked on like Drop Zone with Wesley Snipes, which fucking rules. That's my favorite skydiving movie. And he's made, uh, as a director, holy cow, he's made like six movies and he as an editor he's made at least 50 movies just tons and tons of shit this guy's been doing uh, he's been in the industry for a while and which is weird because the amazing bulk to me feels like the work of a novice non-filmmaker with access to a green screen and a lot of assets but i i'm totally wrong this this is a guy who's he's been around yeah, I mean, I, he hasn't directed anything remotely okay. No, but, uh, no. But nonetheless, I, I, I don't know. I can't get a read on him. I think he might be smarter than we think. Yeah, he could be. He could be for sure. I think he might be I'm, in on the joke of the bulk here. <laughs> I'm interested in watching some of the other movies he's directed, honestly, because I want to see if he's this obsessed with 
weird, dumb CGI green screen nonsense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> unfortunately, we will not allow it for this podcast, but uh, no. it, it is it is kind of, I'm with you. I'd be interested in checking out uh, a couple of his other films as well. Yeah. Gosh. I'm certain Amazon Prime will uh, will deliver. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll definitely deliver. So, yeah, I mean, maybe next time we're hanging out, Myros, we can watch uh, Queen Cobra or uh, Slaughterhouse Death Sisters or Aliens versus Avatars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. This guy, an interesting character. I think you've, a lot, of, you've a lot once, of good stuff. I think you've once again earned the distinction. Of curiosity, which is not, oh. what, it's not what we're aiming for, but uh, you keep doing it. I, I know. I, I don't know how it keeps happening. And again, this this one isn't the quality level of quality. That's that's probably the wrong word to use. It's not the entertainment level of Love on a Leash, but it is, it's something. I, I would watch this with people just to be like, look at this shit. Uh, I'm going to tell you, for me, I enjoyed this more than Love on a Leash. That's interesting. That's interesting. I didn't have the again. Maybe it's because I'm I'm a little sober right now. That uh, it, it just it love on a leash. Uh, I mean, it's it, it's a curious film to be certain, but it, it wasn't a film that I was often finding myself <laughs> laughing at. Or the annoyance level with that was quite <laughs> high for me, as opposed to this was. A real 50-50. Half the movie is, like, insufferable. But the other half? Hmm. Uh, there's something there. Sure. Sure, sure. That's fair. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we found some entertainment out of my movie because... Holy shit, Myros. Uh, I, okay. Not only do I hate the thing that you chose... I don't even know how to pronounce the fucking name. Okay? I don't... <laughs> Uh, I'm a, I'm a she-chotic? Well, I think it's she-chotic. Like, oh, like psychotic, but she's a lady. Right, yeah, like exactly that and nothing oh, more. Oh, boy. That is, <laughs> that's a portmanteau for the ages. Yeah, I, it, it really works. I can see how they settled on it. Oh, God. How do you... Uh, okay. So you chose she-chotic. Why did you choose Shikotic? Like, what about this spoke to you? Just the name? Well, that put it on my radar. And then I watched the trailer and was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because it just looked like one of these fucking awful, like, hey, filmed entirely in one man's apartment. Uh, oh, yeah. And it, it most certainly is. Yeah. Right, and also the trailer ended with like this fucking grand proclamation about how it was coming to theaters in 4K or something. I'm like, what? Fucking Christ. Did, uh, was it streaming in 4K? Uh, good question. I didn't watch it. Uh, I have to be on a certain setting to watch things in 4K, and I, I didn't look. Oh. It seems unlikely. I think Amazon... Is probably a little pickier about what they put up on their 4K, considering sure. they don't seem to have like a huge selection in that category. But I can tell you what allows them to boast this, I'd imagine, is that they have... I mean, the, the bulk of the film certainly is not shot in 4K. The, but the amazing bulk of the film? Yes, yeah. But there is 
a whole bunch of like cut-ins of like swooping shots of Atlanta that are probably shot in 4K that I'm sure they did not shoot. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. But it allowed them to make such a, a bold statement as that, I, I guess. That's what you got to do, man. So, Shekotic. <laughs> what is Shekotic, Steve? I'm going to let you dig in on this Fuck. fucking gem. It's that's kind of a movie. Um, all right, here we go. Let me take a drink of beer here. This is gonna. This is a tough one for me. Shekotic is like watching paint dry, but with intermittent, intermittent, disgusting sex scenes. Uh, it is a movie about a woman who has some sort of mental disorder where, like, an evil version of herself talks to her. And we as audience members are, are privy to this, and we get to see this evil version of her. And this evil version has killed a person before. And uh, she finds out the... What's the character's name? It's uh, Give me a second here. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Erica, is that it? No, Maxine. Maxine, okay. So this character, Maxine, she finds out that her boyfriend of two years has been cheating on her, and he is planning on leaving her for his side piece, and the she-cotic part of Maxine's personality comes out and says, no, you gotta, you gotta do something about this. So she freaks out and abducts her own boyfriend and like chains him to a pole in her basement and uh then people try to figure out what's going on and where this guy went and she kills some people and she fucks a lot of people and that's pretty much the whole movie (laughs) it's the whole thing yeah remember this like this Again, it's a movie that's title escapes me, but uh, it's a movie we watched a long time ago. It's not the level of this sort of thing, but it had a very similar sort of uh, plot device to it. But it's about this kid who has like a, a crazy like alien worm monster in his basement. And the whole movie is just like people stumbling into the basement over and over again so the worm monster could eat them. Yep. Yep. That's pretty much it. This is like that, yeah. People just it's, keep it's, coming to her apartment and then having kinda, sex with her and then getting killed. <laughs> it's kind of like Hellraiser, if you think about it. No, it's it's don't. I shouldn't make that comparison. That's cruel. <laughs> it's, yeah. And when we talk about the sex scenes, it's very uncomfortable to watch. And it should be said, too, that this movie opens for no reason with a violent rape scene. And then yeah. with, like, hip-hop music blasting over it. <laughs> and there are so many sex scenes that make zero sense in the context of the plot. Like, Maxine and her boyfriend are the only two, like, real core characters. And everything else is just sort of this, like, you know, secondary tertiary shit that, you know, they, they just serve to be bodies for Maxine to kill or manipulate. But for some reason... Like literally three fourths of the way through the movie, all of a sudden a subplot emerges where this random, like muscular man just bangs these two chicks, <laughs> and we have to watch him fucking thrusting away and sucking on their titties. And I just, I don't want that. I don't, I don't want it. 
I don't. Uh, there's a, there's also a a completely unnecessary lesbian sex scene, which yeah. is which is noteworthy because it occurs because previously Maxine fucks this old guy, and then the old guy's daughter learns that Maxine fucked her dad, and then she goes over to Maxine's, and Maxine is just like, yo. What if I munched on that pussy girl? And she's like, yeah, okay. And then we have to watch them have lesbian sex. And she's fucking the woman who fucked her dad 24 hours ago. And that seems weird to me. I don't know. Well, and to say nothing of the fact that this woman is the aforementioned side piece who is throughout the film suspicious that uh, Maxine has, in fact, uh, kidnapped slash murdered... or their their mutual man friend. Um, and so the the old man that she sleeps with is uh, this this woman's father, who is a retired police detective, who is who has gone over to the apartment to uh, check out the situation, see if anything suspicious is occurring. And instead, he just sleeps with the woman, and then. Again, inexplicably, the the person who is most suspicious of this murder and is set up essentially as as the protagonist of the film is instantly seduced into a lengthy and gratuitous uh, lesbian sex scene. Oh uh, yeah. Uh I, I think this movie has to be like this gentleman what is his name here? Leandre Fiori. <laughs> I'm going to assume he's directing like local hip hop videos. Yeah, that seems to be the insinuation uh based on the uh, there's a lot of plot points about like a hip hop video producer and just and all this weird dialogue about producing hip hop videos or it's like I think that's what you do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and write what you know. Then he just decided he'd make a movie and it didn't go too fucking well. Although I guess he's decided to make several movies cuz uh He's he's got a bunch coming out here. <laughs> Woo! Exciting. She Kotick is actually not even listed as completed at IMDb. That might clear some things up. It's <laughs> it's still in post production. Oh, <laughs> uh, we can't we can't vote for it. We have to vote for Amazing Bolt because yours isn't officially released yet. We saw the beta version. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't count. Um. So yeah, this movie is really fucking disgusting and. It is. And it's 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 like I mean it's disgusting like visually it's disgusting, it's aesthetically repugnant, but also it's like super misogynist and it's interesting too because as soon as the movie starts, before it before you even see the first scene, before the opening credits before anything, there's a disclaimer and it's just like hey, this is the story I had to tell. I don't actually hate women. And I was just like, "Oh, okay, so you do hate women. That's what this tells me." Yeah, what is what is his thesis in making this film? Just like bitches be crazy. Bitches be crazy is the entire thesis of the movie. It's got like a a five year old's conception of like dissociative identity disorder. <laughs> Pretty much. And yeah, bitches be crazy. I think that the the end of the movie is is just more bitches be crazy. I don't even remember what it is because this movie is oppressively boring. And disengaging, yeah. but it is yeah. 
this the the muscly guy who had no connection to the entire movie gets killed by some other crazy bitch or something. Yeah, there's 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 more murdering, and then Maxine confesses the crimes to her therapist, and then she has to go to a mental institution for like six months, and then she's fine. I think is that how it works? No, she didn't confess the crimes to her therapist. She confessed. Uh, again, what the fuck? Fucking who writes this shit? So the brutal rape at the beginning of the movie is her stepfather rapes her or something. Yeah, and the, but but then her and, brother gets blamed for killing her stepfather. Right. right? So so presumably the shekotic side of her kills the stepfather and the brother knowing the situation takes the fall for it and is serving he's on like death row or something and so she concocts this thing with her therapist that she will admit to having committed that crime uh and therefore her brother will go free and the therapist will basically vouch for her so she she just says to serve a very abbreviated uh, term in a mental institution because that's what a good therapist does is she, she you know she's got your back so you you know you only go to jail for a little bit right well you don't go to jail at all you just you know <laughs> um so yeah she doesn't actually confess to any of these murders although i would think it'd be kind of hard pressed to get away with all of this person you would think <laughs> yeah yeah um I I guess they get away with it because the cops are just like, well, he's a hip hop guy, hippity hopping around the country. Yeah, that's I mean that's the excuse too is uh, like the the side piece girl calls the police and is just like, oh yeah, my boyfriend's missing, and they're like, he's a hip hop man and he's probably in Las Vegas putting his penis in things. <laughs> uh, I would say it's a indictment of how society views black men, but. Most of the cops are black men, too. I think all the cops in this movie are black men. I think the whole cast is black, actually. Right. So it's kind of hard to pull off such a statement with with a cast like that. That's that's a tough one. That is a tough one. Well, I yeah, and this is just the way it looks, too. God, I mean, the sound is a little muffled and soft, but this movie is ugly as sin. It takes place in a single apartment with, like, bare white walls... And no lighting, just all available light. It is horrible to look at. There's there's nothing visually interesting at all going on here. This is true. This is uh, the peril. Of, again, it's why I chose the movie. Anytime a movie is filmed entirely in some drab apartment, you're in for a, a real treat. But yeah, this has another like audio foible, which, again, we'll run into a lot of these. But this... Uh, a great deal of especially the setup in this film is phone conversations and they seemingly don't ADR the other end of the phone conversation. It's just like recording the phone audio, which is totally impossible to comprehend. So you're getting like one half of the phone conversation and then you're also getting the other half, but it's just like, yeah, that's, that's about right. Yeah. There's, oh God! Again, it's it's complete incompetence, but it's it's also oppressively boring. 
You know, it may seem like, oh, there's something interesting going on here because, oh, this, this, no, there's nothing interesting. Oh, there is, it is the opposite of interesting. I guess if you want to watch some poorly filmed sex scenes, then have at it, you know? Yeah. I, I think there's better avenues to get such material, but, it, you know, whatever floats your boat. That's, that's about right. That's about right. Well, I mean, thank you for this, Myros. This was a horrible experience for me, so I, I really appreciate that from you. Well, you know, you're living that apartment life. I figured you could relate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who among us has not had a psychotic break where an evil version of ourself has compelled us to, to kill, really? I mean, that's, that's every day of my life. Why did this apartment have, like, a basement? That's a strange apartment feature. Maybe it's a, a condo or a townhouse, but it seemed they, they seem to indicate that she lived in a high rise, right? With yeah, the, the, with all the external shots. Yeah, the the establishing shots certainly do not indicate a townhouse, but yeah, the the setup of the actual interior is definitely that. It it but it has like an unfinished basement. It's just like what what is this thing? This doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, no, it it does. obviously it's, it does, and the director lives there, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I I have no idea. The whole thing is mind blowing. I just I never want to be within fifty feet of this movie ever again. This is not. I mean, we talked about this like, oh, I'm interested to see what other shit this director's made. I have zero interest in seeing anything Leandre Fiore. Like, if Leandre Fiore did craft services for a movie, I wouldn't want to see it. <laughs> I don't want this motherfucker making bologna sandwiches. Like, that's that's how much I, I dislike this movie. Well, uh, unfortunately, you're going to miss out on such classics as Spring Break, The Homecoming of Levi Burdick, and Bout Dat Life. Oh, Bout Dat Life, man. I don't know. I mean, for me, personally, I, I think this is... It's maybe slightly more competent than Revenge of the Animals, but it, it it was so much worse to sit through. Like it's way more boring. This might be my new my new least favorite thing that we've watched. Uh yeah. I expected this to be at the bottom for me, but I'm still gonna stick with Revenge of the Animals. Uh this movie again, I could it's like the sort of thing you could at least like catch a nap through or something. <laughs> Uh, there's too much abrasion going on in Revenge of the Animals. Uh, if a movie is dull and just passes over me, then to an extent, I, I give it a pass. I mean, this movie's like a, a solid zero out of ten, but I, I'm gonna give oh, it. Yeah. A, I'm gonna give it a pass over the movie that assaults me with various repeating songs and uh, like blown out noises that just I I can't I can't abide it. That's fair. That's fair. So, uh, atrocity or curiosity? I, th- I think we can both say without a shadow of a doubt this is a complete atrocity. Uh, absolutely. All right. All right. Well, I, I think you're you got a streak going, man. That's two in a row. Well, I, I've come to a conclusion here, and uh, it seems to me that you are you haven't quite figured this process out. You're you're still considering our, our listening audience. You're trying to find things that, that could be interesting or entertaining, whereas I... Sure. I'm, I'm gaining a, a large lead here by being as sadistic as humanly possible. And uh, <laughs> What does that say about you as a person? I have total disdain 
for our listeners and uh please suffer and uh you know if you quit listening well it's not no skin off my neck right <laughs> what do you think i get yeah. paid for this i, I no, there you go there you go all right myros well i i think we've we've said all that we can say so i guess we got to wrap this one up uh where can people find you on the internet myros uh they can't they Second can't hand. find you anywhere. Okay. Well, if you have any questions or comments, or if you are Leandre Fiore and you're like, hey, I'm actually really good at craft services. I would love to make you a bologna sandwich sometime. Uh, you can email us, optimismvaccine at gmail.com. If you are the director of The Amazing Bulk and you want to tell us about your incredible use of free stock music and stock assets you could tweet at us at optimism vaccine or you can tweet directly at me at steve cuff that's at steve c-u-f-f and regardless of who you are whether you're the director of shikotic or just an average listener you need to hop onto itunes there's a link in the description of this episode that you are listening to right now click that link head over to itunes give us a five-star review and write a review. It takes two seconds. All you got to do, hit review, click five stars, and then just type in, I love these guys. They're great. That's all you got to do. It helps our visibility. The more visible we are, the more content we can put out for you, and the more we can grow our audience. So please do that for us. We would really, really, really appreciate it. Other than that, I think that's it, Myros. Yeah, yeah. I think we, we got a little shorter episode because I picked such a depressively dull film that yeah, can't even job. be discussed. Good uh, job. You, you're shorten you're shorten the people of a of a longer experience. Yeah. Now I'm telling you, Cuff, two O Lee better embrace the pain. Embrace the pain. <laughs> <laughs>